This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you'll really, really love. Grilling with pellets. Green Mountain Pellet Grills are the top of the line, best of the best, but not the highest in price. And be sure to check out all of their flavor rubs, sauces, and pellets for the Green Mountain Grill all on their website. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to peruse the entire product's portfolio. And by Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets. Two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that perfect combination of BTU burn and sweet, succulent smoke you're looking to get all over your meat. A wide variety of flavors, so please go to the website to check it out and get yours today. Barbecuer's Delight, which is bbqrsdelight.com. And by JP Custom Smoke, a competitive barbecue team out of Wichita, Kansas, manufacturing the highest quality barbecue rubs on the market today. Looking to increase your competition scores? Looking to get the hearty high fives and hand clasps at the neighborhood barbecues? Look no further than JP Custom Smoke. In the market for a high-quality offset wood-burning barbecue pit, JP Custom Smoke has years of experience building high-quality, fully customizable, and extremely fuel-efficient barbecue pits. Visit jpcustomsmoke.com for more information. Hey, this is Helen Paradise from SoCal, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Alright, good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central Show. Oh yeah, the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. 
broadcasting live from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. Two ways to do it. It's a toll-free call, 877-448-0433. You can also email the show if you would like to, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else about the show can be found at the main website listing right now there underneath on the lower third, thebbqcentralshow.com. Here's what's happening on the show tonight. Huge show. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, uh, owner of Three Stacks Barbecue, uh, that would be numeral three stacks, uh, stackbbq.com. Uh, also, uh, the guy that's running the Ultimate Smoker and Grill, which you can see on the History Channel, Trace Arnold, will be joining us here uh, in the first interview segment. Coming up after him, 35 past 9, a monthly contributor to the show, Derek Riches, bbq.about.com. We're going to be talking about a little uh, barbecue university, which he attended through Stephen Reichlin, and also about the new article he just posted this morning about lighter fluid. So always a, a hotly contested nugget of debate when it comes to outdoor live fire cooking uh, grilling smoking all that stuff then we go to the second out uh three people lined up Uh, rarely do i have somebody at the top but i figured with all of the stuff that was going down with paula dean at the very end of last week um and and it i i I made a simple post on facebook hey is it uh, aggressive with the food network not renewing her contract at the end of this month uh, did she deserve what she get? You know, was it appropriate? Was it not appropriate? And I've never received so many Facebook posts about a simple Facebook question in the history of my personal page. And uh, I read through all of those reactions, and I thought, wow, it's weird how people think. Uh, why not go to an authority in African-American culture talking about the N-word, because that's the, the most taboo word, as it were, and get a little perspective. Uh, you know, not just pick up anybody off the street and get a perspective, but uh, a professor. So we're going to be joined by Dr. Akil Houston, Assistant Professor of Cultural and Media Studies in the Department of African American Studies at my alma mater, Bobcat, Ohio University. Uh, so we won't have a ton of time, and it was kind of a last-minute ad, but I thought it was important enough to at least uh, start a conversation or start a dialogue and at least have an expert on when it comes to this instead of just you know talking person to person. Then we'll get back into the barbecue at 14 past. Bob Trudnack, hopefully a non-drugged Bob Trudnack. We'll get into that when he comes on at 10.14. Uh, we'll be talking about barbecue guru, uh, kind of uh, reloading from the segment that we missed with him last week. And then 35 past the hour, a uh, sponsor of the show, somebody doing very well on the competition circuit, none other than John Patty JP Custom Smoke. How about that? Fully packed show, if you couldn't guess it from there. So, Trace Arnold, Derek Riches in the first hour, Dr. Akil Houston, Bob Trudnack, and John Patty in the second hour. If you need it, 877-448-0433, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. If you're watching the show right now, do me a favor. Do me a solid. Get on the Facebook. Get on the Twitter. And put out these links, OutdoorCookingChannel.com, or if you can only do it audio-wise, TheBBQCentralShow.com. Let everybody know you're listening to the show. And don't forget that you can also... Hold on, I'm getting a... This is going to be dangerous. I'm getting a tweet here. All right. I don't want to read that. That's going to be bad. 
You can get the show live on Roku as well. So if you don't have one, you can go to any electronic store, ask for Roku, or just go to Roku.com, R-O-K-U.com. Fun way to consume the show uh, right through the magic of your large screen television. There you go. All right, so rarely do I do this in the first segment as well. But Denver Cavins has offered up his sauce for review. So tonight we are reviewing the uh, Fire Q original Kentucky barbecue sauce. Uh, I have not opened this yet. I apologize uh, for the uh, poor production here, but, you know, this is all, you know, all I can do here. Uh, so I'm tipping it upside down. I can see some spices already. As far as what the um, label says, bring a new flavor with barbecue to your table with Firehouse Original Barbecue Sauce. This award-winning barbecue sauce offers an expert blend of savory southern sweetness and tangy flavor combined with just the right amount of spice. Our spice is our sauce is perfect on poultry and brings out a rich red color when glazed over ribs. Also try Firehouse uh, Fire Q Original Barbecue Sauce with smoked salmon burgers, and even a pizza sauce, tangy and sweet with the right amount of heat, distributed uh, at Fire BBQ, Fire BBQ, like the, uh, well, yeah, like the letters, firebbq.net.net, Uniontown, Kentucky. Uh, And again, this is what the uh, label looks like, Fire Q. So very excited to try this. We will uh, uncrack it. Let's see how close I can... So we're going to pour, uh, uh, okay, is that, it's hard to do by yourself, right? Pour it out just to see how it pours. Damn it. All right. We'll coat the spoon, coat the spoon here. Hard to get a good color on there. All right. Nevertheless, so uh, certainly not super thick. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. Let me pour a little bit more here. Don't want to taste it yet. So as far as, uh, you know, the viscosity and, you know, how thin, how thick it is, uh, it's probably right in the middle. It's not, you know, your traditional huge, thick Kansas City sauce. Uh, Definitely not as thin as you would find a lot of the uh, Carolina-based vinegar sauces. Uh, but you can certainly see the uh, spices on the spoon right there. Uh, so, you know, it gives it a nice coat. Uh, we go in... <coughs> pardon me. Uh, we go into... You're, you're damn right, Tim. I need an assist. All right. Let me go in for the nose here. All right, so it, it, smells, it smells good. I got to be honest. It smells really good. Uh, no liquid smoke, which is always a positive. Now, there might be some in there, but as far as it weighing heavily on the nose, I don't smell it on the nose. Uh, so we're very excited about that. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, give it a taste test. All right. So, um, okay, so definitely sweet. Um, it's running right on the border of too sweet for me. Remember, I am a more of a, a, a tangy barbecue sauce fan than I am uh, overly sweet. This would absolutely go great on ribs. This would absolutely go great on chicken, as it says in the write-up. I think you could cut it with some items uh, to change it up a little bit or to, to pull back the sweetness. I'll go back 
It's not, trust me, it's not uh, anywhere near bad enough for not me to, to come back and take another uh, uh, shot at this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to say, like, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there is kind of a, a ketchup-y front. And then, uh, you know, it actually finishes really nicely. And there is a, a nice amount. Not huge. Remember, I, I am more of a a hot guy. Uh, hey, uh, I don't mind the hot, the heat. You know, if, if the sauce claims to be hot, I'm definitely going to gravitate to that. So I don't mind the the heat coming off the barbecue sauce. This isn't bad at all. It's not a fiery food type of deal or anything like that. But it does add just a, a nice balance, a good mouthfeel towards the back, and a good good back end heat. So a fire Q. What's the website again? I'm sorry. It is fire fire bbq firebbq.net uh i know scott roberts i think gave it a, a top 10 call i will uh absolutely agree with that well worth the pickup firebbq.net uh if you like that kind of sauce if you like the tangy and you only want the tangy and the thin and uh, super thin and all that stuff it might not be the one for you uh, another uh, big look right there at the end um but i like it i can't wait to use it on food I'll probably snack on it during the, the course of the rest of the show. Who knows? When we're talking to Trace Arnold next, I'll be chowing down on some Fire Q original Kentucky barbecue sauce. Thanks to Denver Cavins for offering that up. Way to show testicles. You know, I don't always say sauces are good. Okay, so rarely I say sauces are good. Just ask uh, you know our friend from a couple weeks ago. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly. A couple weeks ago was Father's Day's. You know, maybe you were gypped. Maybe you didn't get what you want. You wanted a fine timepiece. You wanted uh, some type of a ring. It just didn't happen for you. Look, I feel your pain. And that's why, at this point, weeks past one of the most prolific days for fathers out there, Father's Day. Go ahead and treat yourself. Rarely do I say, hey, you know, guys, think about yourself for once, but I'm doing it right now. Take care of yourself right now or tomorrow or the next day. Go to stephendefranco.com. It's D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O, stephendefranco.com. Peruse the inventory. Maybe you're looking for a pinky ring. Maybe you're looking for a gold chain. I've had a gold chain on since uh, for like 20 years. Maybe you're looking for a, a custom timepiece. You can go super high-end at Stephen DeFranco's as well, or you can get somewhere that will fit whatever budget that you have. And the thing that I like most about dealing with Steve is he's going to con- take the time to consult with you. He's going to ask you what budget is. He's going to ask you, you know, what are you looking to do with it? Is this like a showpiece? Do you want more of a functional watch? Is it like an everyday driver type deal? And then he'll help kind of steer you in the right direction and then leave the final decision up to you. No pressure here. And the best part is this. After you've got that all settled in, you say, hey, by the way, Steve, I'm a barbecue brother. I listen to you all the time. Uh, Rempy's always talking about you on the show and that I need to call or I need to stop in. If you're local to Cleveland, you're doing yourself a disservice by not getting into Willoughby, owner of 84 and 91 there, and stopping in and perusing his inventory in person. A lot of you can't because I know you're not around the greater Cleveland, Ohio area. So get on the website again, stephendefranco.com, and then call him directly once you find what you like, 440-943-2700, 440-943-2700. When somebody answers the phone, if it's not Steve, They'd like to talk to Steve directly. He's the owner. He's going to give you great pricing. Watches get an extra year of warranty. 
You get engraving for free if you want. They gift wrap it for free if you want. Ships for free. Everything in the store ships for free. Watches, earrings, all that great stuff. Uh, do it now or do it tomorrow. StephenDeFranco.com, 440-943-2700. We're back with Trace Arnold, Three Stacks BBQ or barbecue, and the ultimate smoker and grill. Can't wait to talk to him about that. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Well, the good news is uh, I didn't have my mic turned up. Yeah. Good. That's the good news. Better news is I don't have Trace Arnold yet. For some reason, uh, he's not picking up his phone. I just sent a message to him, so don't worry about it. Dead air. I, I get what you're saying now with the dead air, right? Yeah. Well, such is life. All right, trying him again. All right, so uh, my first guest tonight, got to have one of the biggest, baddest cookers available anywhere. Uh, best part, this bad boy can go anywhere, too. Currently in the middle of doing a 13-city tour of the hottest festivals in America, featuring this mammoth 80-foot ultimate smoker and grill. Also, the owner of Three Stacks Barbecue and Tap House, located in Frisco, Texas. Let's go ahead and race over the hotline. And welcome first time to the show, Trace Arnold. Trace, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Trace. Appreciate you uh, taking the time and joining us here on the show tonight. You know, before we talk about the tour and the restaurant, uh, maybe a little background on you and, and how you got in this whole barbecue deal. Well, I've just been uh, been cooking for about 25 years, and uh, had a dude ranch in Justin, Texas, and we used to entertain people, fed a thousand people every Saturday and Sunday, April through October, and we fed them barbecue and. And I started cooking the barbecue and, and just playing around with it and uh, got better and better and ended up taking a $300,000 a year family business and turned it into a multi-million dollar corporation. Just from the quality of our food. Wow. Trace Arnold uh, joining us here on the show. Um, is You know, from Texas originally, right? Yeah, yeah. Born and brainwashed. I mean, sometimes people assume too much, Trace, for instance, that everyone in Texas loves barbecue. Is that more truth or, or more fiction? Oh, you know, I think everybody everybody likes barbecue, but what I've discovered over the years is people have a passion for bad barbecue because they keep going back and back to places that are 
less worthy of their, you know, have eaten it. So they, they, they continue. So people have a passion for bad barbecue. How do we fix the passion for bad barbecue, Trace? Well, you find a place that makes great barbecue or outstanding barbecue, a three-stack smoking tap house. It's not only our policy, but it's our passion to provide you with a great or outstanding barbecue experience every single time. You know, some people focus on the meat, so they just let the sides fall away, or they focus on the sides, and the proteins just, you know, aren't there. I think my belief is it's a round package. It's, it's a, kind of a round robin, so to speak. you got to have it all. you got to have the whole picture. And uh, that's what we focus on there, and that's what we're proud of day in and day out is a great or outstanding barbecue experience every day. All right, we'll get into uh, – actually tell – Go ahead, Trace. I actually tell, I tell people in the restaurant, I said, if that's not the best barbecue meal you've ever had, I'll go outside personally and wash your car. Really? And if that's not, and that's not good enough, I'll get down on my hands and knees and I'll <laughs> shine your shoes. <laughs> How many of those two things do you think I've ever done? Uh, you know that was my next question, right? Never. Never? Right. Nah. Got to keep those hands See, a lot pretty. Of people, when, when people are focusing on their proteins, or when they're doing their proteins, they use the same rub for everything. Their brisket, their ribs, their chicken, their turkey. What I've done is I've developed and created a line of rubs over, over the years. I have a brisket rub, I have a beef rib rub, I have a chicken rub, a turkey rub. Everything is independent. Different flavor profiles. So you could come in there and eat every day of the week and have a completely different meal. That's why we have so many sides. We have about eight sides, eight hot sides, and about eight cold sides. And they're all made fresh daily, every day, in that restaurant. We call it cooking with love. Trace if we run out of something today, that's because we're not going to have any for, give it left over for tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Trace Arnold joining us here on the show. Let me give you a couple of websites uh, for the people who are listening. If you want to get online and kind of check him out while we're chatting up here, ultimatesmokerandgrill.com, and then uh, also threestacksbbq.com is the restaurant side of things. We'll get a little bit more into that here in just a second here, Trace. But if you could, could you tell me a little bit about this deal with the History Channel and the Ultimate Grill and Smoker? Yeah, the ultimate smoker and grill came from the Dude Ranch, actually. You know, I, I used to do a 1,000 people every Saturday, Sunday, April through October, but in September and October, we'd have five, ten, or 15,000. So I needed additional smoker. And uh, the only difference in me and everybody else is I just don't have a box. I live outside the box. And I said, let's build it as big as we possibly can to be legal in Texas. And my original concept was a smoker, and it would do 7,000 pounds of brisket at one time. <laughs> and uh, But it cost me so much to build, I had to put it to work. Uh, I was going to use it the months I wasn't using the ranch. I was going to use it to market the dude ranch because I'm in marketing. And uh, it cost me so much to build, I got a deal for a couple of years with, you know, a couple of big companies, Food Line, Tyson Chicken, and Johnson, Johnson, Merck. And I knew what I had was a good idea, but I had to show up a day early to smoke everything. So I said, well, if I could fire this thing up in 30 minutes, I'd have it going on. And so in 2002, I modified it, and I took it from being the, the world's largest smoker to being the world's largest smoker and grill. Because there was, there's a couple of people out there that have one. Johnsonville Broads has a grill that's 44 foot long, and there's somebody had one that was a smoker that's 40 foot long. Mine was 57 feet, 7 inches long. <laughs> you do the math. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's bigger than most dry van trailers. 
Yeah, so I've been using it for marketing ever since, and I started the company in 2002 with the, the Ultimate Smoker and Grill, and I've traveled the country for companies like, oh, Mrs. Bear's Bread, or Wheat, yeah, you name it, we've done it. And I was on tour with the right brand bacon, and the History Channel family, and uh, they wanted to do a cross-country cookout tour, so we spent about 12 months putting it together, and uh, we've been doing it the past two years. We are on a journey right now that's uh, 90 days, 10,000 miles, 13 cities. Well, where are you at? And like, where are you at right now, Trace? Where are you at right now? I'm, I am sitting on the corner of Park Avenue and 21st Street in New York City. Look at this guy. We just finished it. We just finished the day today. We fed about 10,000 people at oh Union Lord. Square with the History Cross Country Cookout Tour. And Nationwide Insurance is our sponsor. And Soldier's Wish is one of our partners. And, uh, yeah, we fed about 10,000 people. I'm actually just kind of walking, trying to find my hotel in this big old town. Do you, uh, so as far as the History Channel is concerned, is this something they're filming for, like, a TV show? Or is it something that's going to be airing on television? Or are they, you know, like, what's the, what's the interest with them? What we do is we market their current TV shows like Swamp People, Ice Road Truckers, American Pickers, American Restoration, um, all their shows. If it's on the History Channel, we are out telling people about it. We draw them in. The Ultimate Smoker and Grill has a great curve. It, you know, it just brings them up, and we feed them free food. I mean, how does it, get, it doesn't get any better than that. We feed people free all around the country. It doesn't cost them a dime. All they got to do is come up and see us, and we... Uh, we use my my hickory sausage that I have in my restaurant, three stacks. I have it specially made for me, and I have a jalapeno cheddar sausage that's second to none. The ironic thing is uh, the company that makes it for me, that's been making it for me for years, uh, is in Texas, but they're originally from New York. Really? Yeah. And it's unbelievable sausage. And I'll have all my products, my rubs, my sauces, and my sausage all online available in the next 30 days. Are, are you cooking? I mean, you gave us a little bit of dimension on the smoker, you know, on the, on the unit itself and kind of how it's evolved over time. Are, are you typically, or, or what are you typically cooking for each function? Does it change from city to city? Is it going to be, you know, lots of ribs here and more sausage there? Or, or is that all predetermined well, as you're making I, this what, tour? What I do is we sample the sausage everywhere we go. That's to the masses because, we you know, we're touching five or 10,000 people. And I cook, my job every day is to cook you know, ribs and brisket, and I'm feeding the, the press, the media, the stars, the talent, the people that are on the shows. They come, like Kelly and uh, Rick Dale from American Restoration came in. We were in Columbus two days ago. Now, we drove straight through from Columbus. We were there Sunday, drove Monday morning straight through to New York at 12 o'clock last night. Wow. And we, we set up all night and started working this morning at 6 o'clock, and we're just now wrapping it up. So, you know, 14, 18-hour days, nothing shorter. It's not something we're afraid of. Yeah. And how many people are, are working the unit itself when it's all fired up and cooking for everybody? Well, I've, on the grill, I've got a crew of four people that travels the country with it. But when we're on a location, we can have as many as 20 or 30 because we've got all types of games. We've got Texas Cornhole, uh, Redneck Golf, and history. Uh, hands out, they give away all kinds of prizes and giveaways, koozie and nationwide sets up with us and so, and so swear. So there could be 25 to 40 on the ground at each event. But my crew of four maintains the ultimate smoker and grill and we do all the cooking and prepping and, uh, we have some people help serve. We're talking, we're, we're talking with Trace Arnold. 
Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, I thought you were uh, – go ahead. Oh, I was just saying we're talking with uh, Trace Arnold, UltimateSmokerAndGrill.com, ThreeStacksBBQ.com. Is there anything that you hope to get out of the – you know, this tour and, you know, obviously you're helping the people that are marketing you, but, you know, is this just the passion you wanted to get across the country and show everybody, you know, what this thing can do and, and kind of uh, almost introduce barbecue to people that might not otherwise know what good barbecue is? Yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of a thing I like to do because I've, I've eaten barbecue from Texas to Michigan, California to New York several times. And it's, it's very difficult to find quality barbecue Anywhere, you know, people rave about Kansas City and Tennessee, Memphis, Nashville, you know, Georgia, South Carolina. I like to take a little bit of all of that and put it together. I mean, at Three Stacks, we've got a, I, I do a, uh, what I call a southern pork sandwich with slaw on it and the mustard sauce. I, I'm a big advocate that when in Rome, act like the Romans. If you're going to do it, do it the way it should be done. Yeah, I do like to provide a quality, you know, meal everywhere we go and let people experience it. I mean, I am the rib whisperer. And uh, I've got miles of tape of people when they eat those ribs and they take a bite of that rib and they say, that's the best rib I've ever had. And I used to get a camera out and tape it, but, you know, it's pretty common practice every day now. So we just kind of relish in the moment and enjoy it. And I get satisfaction from uh, of people's enjoyment of great barbecue. And you got to know here in New York, we've been here just 24 hours and uh, touched 10,000 people and, uh, We've changed some people's perception. Every hotel I stay at, I always bring ribs back. I took some ribs to the hotel in Columbus and uh, stayed at the people at the front desk, the valet. <laughs> and I went up, took a shower, came down to go to dinner, and I got a standing ovation when I entered the lobby just because they said it was the best rib they ever had. Well, I mean, you're you're the rib whisperer. I mean, what does it uh, what does it take to be uh, be called the rib whisperer? Or the or the is the pork talking to you? Oh, you got to talk to the pork. You got to rub it right. You got to talk to it right. You got everything she's got. You got to make it right. It's all on how you how you do it. And not only has it got to taste good, it's got to look good. It's got to have a great presentation. You know, Tracy, it's all can, off the bone. If I could take the last couple minutes here and kind of switch gears out of that big cooker, uh, you did mention that you own Three Stacks Barbecue in Frisco, Texas. You know, there are a lot of people that listen to this show that think about. They want to, you know, they've been cooking barbecue in the backyard. Friends are telling them, "Hey, you should open up a barbecue restaurant." You know, if you could kind of let us into that room of confidence just for a moment, what are some of those big pitfalls that you need to look out for to help give you the best chance of succeeding at a restaurant business? Well, you got to know I looked at it for 25 years. For the past 20 years, I have people telling me that I need to open a restaurant. The past 10 years, they've been begging me to. And I didn't want to do it until I knew I had everything perfected, the sides, the proteins, the breads. We have homemade rolls, homemade corn muffins, cheese biscuits. I mean, it's the full package. And, you know, if you think you're just going to open a barbecue restaurant and have some of it good some of the time, right. that's not going to work. It's got to be great all the time, every day. You're only as good as your last meal. And we drive it into our people day in and day out. And I couldn't do it without my partner, Jason Hall. He is the restaurant guy. I'm the food guy. So I have a partner who's from the restaurant business. And he, without him, I couldn't do it. There's no way. I don't have the patience or the tolerance. And, uh, but I do have for the food. And, uh, he's passionate about food too. So I suggest you saddle up with somebody that you are, you know, that has, that thinks like you think and, uh, wants to deliver a product like you do. 
And we kicked it around for two or three years. It's not like we just said one day, let's do it, let's go. We, uh, we you know, we created the menu and created all the sides, and and I had to formulate everything because I'm used to cooking things with thousands of people, thousand, two thousand, three thousand. So I had to break it down for a restaurant so you don't have so much of it and you don't have any left over. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of a lot of pros and cons to it. But um, like I said, we you know I got a great partner who's restaurant oriented, restaurant minded. I'm food minded. We have 36 draft beers, three stack smoking tap house. Mm. So I'm just out with the History Cross Country Cookout Tour, sharing our barbecue with America. That's what we're doing. We're coming to a city near you. Our next stops are in Boston, Massachusetts on July 3rd. We go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Chicago, Sturgis, Minnesota, Michigan, um, Las Vegas, and California. We wrap up in California <laughs> at the end of August. Wow. Sounds like a, a monster trip. You can find our. You can find our schedule at www.theultimatesmokerandgrill.com or history.com forward slash cookout. Sounds absolutely fabulous. Uh, as far as, the, you know, you, you're, you've you been having such success with this restaurant. You ever thought about uh, entertaining a franchise type deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're looking at it. We're, gonna, we're looking at our second place right now and, and already, you know, looking at property for our third. We're going to punch them out. Wow. Uh, you know, as long as we keep the quality there, that's a key thing for us. And, you know, we keep our foot on it. And uh, as long as we can provide a quality meal for a quality price every day, day in and day out, then we'll keep pushing forward. I don't know about franchising. Uh, it's always a possibility. My, my partner comes from the franchise industry, and uh, he understands it. But we are going to uh, we're gonna put them out there pretty quick. We want to share with America what great barbecue is. We're talking with uh, Trace Arnold, owner of Three Stacks Barbecue and Tap House in Frisco, Texas, and is also running the Ultimate Smoker and Grill. As he said, coming to a city near you, go to ultimatesmokerandgrill.com for more information to schedule where Trace is going to be. Trace, great having you on tonight. Thanks so much for doing it. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for calling. You got it. There he is. Trace Armstrong. Bringing it tonight. Yeah. The guy's the rib whisperer. Oh, little Rippy, I am going to take you and give you a nice rub down. It's going to be great. And you're going to sit in the smoke. And taking all of the smoke and all of your porky pores are going to open up. And taking all of the juices of the rub. And you're going to be succulent. Is that what the rib whisperer sounds like? I doubt it. Um... Who doesn't want to get down to Frisco, Texas, ASAFP, and uh, get to, what, did he say 36 beers on tap? Uh, bartender, can I take one of each, please? Thank you. And all of the ribs that you have. All the ribs that you have. That's fine. I'll take all the ribs. That's good. He wants you to have the best dining experience that you've ever had, ever. And if you haven't, he will wash your car, and after he's done washing your car, if you still don't like it, he will shine your shoes. That's saying something. All right, coming up next, Derek Riches, Lighter Fluid Talk, Barbecue University Talk. Stay tuned for that. Uh, let me talk to you quickly about Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. I've been telling you for weeks now that Tasty Licks has carries, uh, now carries the Kamado Joe cookers, the Meadow Creek cookers, spices, sauces, accessories, much of these items in stock ready to ship to you directly. 
Have you been looking for those uh, Oak Ridge brines and rubs? Have you been looking for the complete line of Plowboys rubs and sauces? How about the Smoke on Wheels products? Tasty Licks Barbecue has them all. And, of course, you know by now the Tasty Licks Barbecue, your big green egg headquarters, including many items for the egg that you can't get anywhere else. And these big green egg parts are in stock, ready to ship to you directly. Also, if you're looking for these injections, the Tasty Licks Barbecue carries all the heavy hitters as well, Butcher's Barbecue, Cosmo's Q, every type of barbecue guru and their associated accessories. Tasty Licks is a Green Mountain Grill pellet dealer, And as Fred says right here on the show when he's on, they provide a number of classes for the public as well. Fred teaches most of them, but then also bringing some of the top pitmasters across the country to do those competition classes as well. Attention teams, Tasty Licks is your competition headquarters as well. All supplies for competition teams, the pans in different sizes, aluminum trays, gloves, thermometers, turn-in boxes for practice. Make it your one-stop shop for crying out loud. TastyLicksBarbecue.com, the place to go. So head on over now. Enjoy the videos that Fred puts up there on his page as well. I think he just posted two more yesterday or the day before. This guy turns out videos like he's in Chatsworth, California. You know what I'm saying? Don't forget they sell their own line of barbecue rubs and sauces, too. you got to try those. And when you order, drop Fred a line that you heard about him right here on this show. Let him know that you you appreciate or you appreciate the support of this show. And he'll reciprocate that appreciation by giving you uh, great barbecue products delivered to you promptly for a fair price. TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's TastyLicks. Whoa, thunder. You hear that? TastyLicksBBQ.com. We're coming back with Derek Riches right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, new shot band, suburban Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need a radio. Bring a jukebox. All right, we are back. Outlaws. 877-448-0433, Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. If you are uh, so inclined to jump in on the show, thanks to Trace Arnold, owner of Three Stacks Barbecue, also running the Ultimate Smoker and Grill. Like 80 feet. Well, okay, <laughs> not 80 feet. He said, like, I think he said 57 feet. I mean, typical drive-in trailers uh, that you see trolling down the highway are 53 feet. So, you know, add this, whatever pretty freaking big that's what we got to say about that all right uh joining me now monthly contributor to the show uh you know him as the guy that has one of the coolest jobs ever on the face of the earth and creator of bbq.about.com derek rich is joining me here on the show derek how are you buddy good greg how you doing doing absolutely fabulous Derek. appreciate you asking a couple of different things to get into tonight first and foremost what are we drinking gin and tonic gin and tonic i knew that you're a gin and tonic guy i think i found that out uh, yeah. Here's what I'm drinking tonight. Oh, Got to get it out of the koozie here. Go full screen. How about that? Paps Blue Ribbon right there. Yeah, that's right. How hipster of you. Did you know that uh, at this point in time, Paps Blue Ribbon is uh, considered to be a craft beer? 
Strange world we live in, isn't it? The price for Path Blue Ribbon has increased, uh, I would say exponentially, but I don't want to be one of those overdramatic people. Uh, but the price of Path Blue Ribbon has gone off like over the last six months, believe it or not. I'm, oh, I believe hey, I'm paying. I'm paying for a quality beer right here. Not, not a sponsor of the show yet. All right. Um, so let's start at Barbecue University. You know, uh, Stephen Reichland, widely iconic in the industry, uh, a guy who approaches uh, what I call uh, crossover name recognition. So a guy like, if you mention Bobby Flay to me or you, we associate one thing. If you mention Bobby Flay to my neighbor, she's going to know that name. And I think Stephen yeah. Reichland kind of teeters with being able to, to get into that type of stratosphere. But he runs this great uh, cooking school or class or, or whatever it is uh, called Barbecue University. You've been doing it for a number of years. Uh, you were able to attend this, correct? Yes. Right. Yeah, I was down there what, about two weeks ago. Is this the place in Colorado now? Uh, yeah, it's at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs. All right, so for everybody that's ever wanted to go, you know, is it something – well, first of all, give me the, the overview of, like, w- what the whole class was. How long was it? When did you check in? When did you check out? What do you cover in the class? Uh, I flew in Sunday night. There was a reception that night, and then um, classes were Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. There were two sessions, and they had kind of – I think they finished up the first session uh, that Sunday morning. So it runs about three days. Um, the whole package for the class includes accommodations at the Broadmoor. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty swanky place. How much is it hands-on time and how much is it downtime or, or not class time? Uh, <clears throat> when you get there about 8, 8.30, they have shuttles running out to what they call the ranch, which is kind of on the other side of their two golf courses. Um, and they have you know a big breakfast laid out, and you can eat and hang out. And about 9 o'clock, uh, class starts, and um, what Stephen does is he kind of he introduces about uh, I don't know, about 10 recipes that you're going to do during the class time and then just takes people kind of out of the class. There's about 50 people in, in each session. So he'll take people out, two or three or four, depending upon the complexity of the dish. And then they will literally go off and prepare it. They'll go and make that. Um, and then he'll just kind of walk around and see how people are doing, show them how to fire up grills, uh, how to, you know, how to set up rotisseries, how to set up smokers. So it, it's largely a hands-on experience, but the class actually wraps up at about noon. And then there's lunch, which is pretty much what the class produced, plus extras that the uh, you know on-staff chefs have made. And you're out of there about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And then you're done for the rest of the day? Yeah, you're done for the rest of the day. Well, it, it's, it's a big resort, so I think yeah. they want you to spend the rest of your time playing golf or shopping or eating in their very expensive restaurants. Um, so, uh, like, I guess in the interest of full disclosure, were you on, was Derek Riches invited, or did Derek Riches bone out? Uh, Derek Riches was invited, and Derek Riches was paid for. All right, so that's fine. Um, yeah, if, I got no problem with that. Yeah, of course. I, I was, I, you, you must have got my invitation on accident, I'm sure. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, it, it actually, they had Greg Rempe written on it, and it scratched it out. I mean, look at us. We're, I mean, we're basically twins anyway. Nobody could mistake us. Right, yeah. Um, so for the people that don't get invited or, you know, they're, they're not looking to, to get people in to kind of get some promotion potentially back from it, what is a average Joe or Jane looking to spend just, you know, not airfare included, but to get out there and do this class? Uh, the class packages start around $2,000. All right. So, I mean, that's 
pretty a lot of money. Uh, well, you're talking about three nights at a very exclusive, very expensive resort and three days of hanging out with Steven Reichlin and cooking and stuff. You know, yeah, it is a little pricey. Certainly, you know, Myron's not up to that price level yet, but um, give him time. Yeah. Uh, so when you're not eating the food that you're preparing in the class, are you paying for that additionally? Uh, so basically, you could probably get away with getting two meals out of it, uh, all you can eat. Uh, but if you want to go out that night, then that's an, you know that's going to be an additional cost. All right. So how accessible and, and how good of a guy? I mean, uh, Stephen's been on the show maybe three, four times over the, the course of its genesis uh, and always seems to be very upfront, very genuine. Uh, just the same guy in person, better, worse, not accessible, full of himself. How do you make out of him? Uh, you know, I, I find him actually quite personable. Uh, I got the opportunity to actually have dinner with him and his wife and a couple of other people while I was there. And, um, uh, you know, he's he's very passionate about, you know, what he does. Uh, he's very well informed. Uh, during the class time, you know, he'll answer any question you've got. He'll walk people through virtually anything. Um and, and you know, do get down to the real basics, and he's 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 pretty likable actually. I, everyone there was uh, um, very happy with it. They all seemed to really like the class, and they liked how it went. You're somebody that's been around barbecue for any number of years now. So as you evaluate the people that were attending class, are these pretty much novices, noobs, uh, or, or were there some people with real chops? Uh, there were people there that this uh, well. There was people in my group that had been. This was their fifth time there. What? Uh, the previous session, apparently, there was people who had done it ten times. What? Uh, there are people who know very very little about grilling. To people that own half a dozen cookers, do you know? Do smoke cooking? Do you know all that sort of stuff? So it's a real wide gambit. Uh, I talked with a guy who had flown in from Austria for wow. this and he's very serious about barbecue in in you know where where he's from but he just uh, there's not a lot going on so he travels to the United States a couple times a year to to really learn barbecue and, and to really get into it all right so if we have an extra two grand laying around or whatever um, would you say it's it's kind of a bucket list type thing to do if you have some fu money around it's something that barbecue and grilling people would like I think if you're really into hardcore bar competition barbecue and stuff like that, I think you might get it might seem a little superficial, but um, I, you know, in general, I think for most people, it's a pretty good experience. Like I said, there's about two dozen grills, ranging from uh, you know, he had a twenty thousand dollar Kalamazoo there. They had a bunch of ranch kettles down to you know a, nine, a twenty-two and a half inch basic kettle grill, a bunch of smokers, and it, it actually was a good opportunity for people to really try out different different pieces of equipment. So if you're really, if, if, if you're big on grilling in particular, I think that it, it's a good experience. Uh, we're talking with Derek Riches. You can find his website, bbq.about.com, if you want to uh, check out that website, uh, full of information, uh, cooker reviews, recommendations, uh, maintenance tips, all that good stuff, uh, which kind of transitions me over to the next talking point here tonight. Uh, to close out the segment, Derek, you just posted an article this morning at bbq.about.com, kind of, uh, I don't want to say defending uh, lighter fluid to a certain degree, but, you know, you kind of brought us full genesis of when there was this big, staunch, let's get everybody away from it, and these are bad, and they're transferring 
taste and, and ickiness to your food while it's cooking to, you know, that just seemed to kind of fail pretty much as, you know, what the article was saying. For, for as big of a push as we were trying to get people away, it really didn't fluctuate too much, did it? Yeah, that was kind of what was surprising uh, when I started really looking into this was, you know, I have always said, look, you know, get an electric starter, use a chimney, do do something like this. Don't use lighter fluid. Yeah. Don't use lighter fluid. And that, you know, you know, other than the Meyer Mixon, I really am actually perplexed to think of someone out there who says it's OK to use lighter fluid. Uh, everyone says no. Uh, you know, and that's it. You know, even that I've been to events that have been sponsored by Kingsford and they use charcoal chimneys to light their charcoal. Right. Uh, but they're the largest seller of lighter fluid. So, you know, the EPA, all of the different environmental groups, uh, you know, the American Cancer Research Institute, all the health groups, they've all said, don't use lighter fluid. And what we find out is that more than 50% of Americans are still using it, and nearly 20% are using self-lighting charcoal. I, I, I don't know if you have access to it or, or if it's readily available, but is there any type of a, a focus group saying, Hey, 50% of people, after we've told you all this stuff and you're still using it, is it just because inherently we are in our routines and this is what we grew up with and this is what my dad did, so this is how I'm going to use it? Is it lazy American inconvenience? Uh, how, how, do you, how do you make heads or tails of that? You know, um, I've actually been working on this project for about four weeks now, and I, I went out and tried to find people that, um, you know, I just kind of casually know who are buying, who buy lighter fluid, who use lighter fluid, and they they have no idea. They really, you know, they don't buy barbecue cookbooks. They don't watch programs. They don't look at stuff on the internet. They're completely insulated from you know our community, which has talked this out for years and years and years, and they've just never heard the argument. And, you know, I don't know, you know, how much more can you do? How much more can you get out there and say, hey, you know, let's kind of change the way we're doing things. Um, it just doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, I, I didn't know if it was one of those things where, you look, people know that smoking is bad for you. And, look, I mean, not definitely not the same thing. I mean, you're addicted to, to nicotine, blah, blah, blah. But people know that it's bad for you, but people will start smoking every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And it leads to a yeah. terrible habit. People will use lighter fluid, even though there's all these reports out there saying that it's possibly bad for you, and they'll continue to use it anyway. Now, at the end of the article, you did make uh, some good points about, well, if you're going to use it, there's better alternatives that we could possibly be putting into production to at least make it a little bit safer. Yeah, and that's – if we can't if we can't convince people to, to give up on this, there are actually are products on the market which are biofuel-based lighter fluids. And – you know, um, I, I picked up several of them. The basic recipe is uh, plant-based oil with alcohol. Um, some uh, There's one product that's actually made from biodiesel, which means it's made from, uh, you know, waste oils from, you know, the restaurant industry. Uh, some of it's made from, uh, you know, kind of waste oils in the production of other oils. But they're all natural. Um, they burn much cleaner. Uh, and you can't smell them. That's kind of what I thought was interesting. You know, I've actually been out there uh, lighting my charcoal with lighter fluid, uh, which just seemed really strange to me to be doing. Um, but it's effective. It's convenient. It's quick. I cannot smell it. More importantly, my wife can't smell it. Um, 
and I can't taste anything. Uh, one of them, I actually, I think I could slightly smell from the actual lighter fluid itself, smelling the bottle, a slight hint of peanuts. But it was made with peanut oil and uh, butanol or a natural grain-based alcohol, and that's all that was in it. Hmm. Um, these things, you could drink them. Uh, it wouldn't be good, but it won't kill you. If you look at the warnings on petroleum-based lighter fluids, uh, they're horrifying. It, you know, lay on your left side, do not induce vomiting, rush to emergency room. You know, these are chemical solvents used by the industry to clean machinery, and we're using them as lighter fluid. You've covered the industry for so long now. Do you think that, you know, these safer lighter fluid possibilities are something that would take hold, or is this... You know, one of those things where you say, hey, uh, why are you using Kingsford when you have all these better other options out there? Uh, is this another thing where Clorox has control of lighter fluid, just like they have control of the charcoal, and, and the masses just don't know any better and it might not take hold? I think it's going to have to, you know, there's going to have to be some changes to, to get this to work, but, you know, and I'm not really sure how the best way to go about it. Um, what we know is is that self-lighting charcoal and, and lighter fluids create a lot of pollution. So, you know, before barbecue gets attacked again by regulators, I think it's a good idea to at least have the discussion of saying, hey, we could switch to something a lot cleaner. And it wouldn't be that difficult. I mean, Clorox Corporation is buying a petroleum distillate solvent to use as their lighter fluid from a company. I think that they could source it somewhere else i think they could source a biofuel alternative if they wanted to yeah that, that would almost kind of endear them to uh the public in a way hey we realize a and now we're going to go in this direction that's going to be safer for everybody potentially yeah i mean i don't know what it's going to take you know i mean if people are using lighter fluid and they want to use it then you know talk to your local stores put it on you know a lot of them can maintain lists of you know suggested products to carry so maybe we can get it into more stores maybe we can get more stuff out there um but um you know i think it is a viable solution and uh you know the price difference is really not all that great so there really isn't anything hindering it uh, no reviews tonight except for a class and then some great talk on uh, lighter fluid. Uh, you can find him at bbq.about.com. We're talking with Derek Riches. Derek, always appreciate the time, and uh, we'll look for you again next month. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, Greg. You too. There he is, Derek Riches. Again, the website, if you've never checked it out, you gotta got to jump over there. One of the best websites out there, bbq.about.com. Just jammed full of information all over the place. Why not... You know, why not be in the forefront of saying, hey, I don't want to do it like this anymore. Uh, you know, we've heard, we've seen the research, we've heard people's outcries, and we're going to make a lighter fluid that's that's better, or, or, or an Excel, you know, whatever you want to call it. Maybe you don't even want to call it lighter fluid anymore. Why not get out ahead of the curve? I know, it's big money. I understand. All right, gang, here we go. If you're like me, you're always trying to think of ways to step the barbecue and grilling game up a notch, and there's no better or easier way to do that than by adding a little butcher barbecue to your arsenal. Now, uh, if you need some validation, well, shame on you, first of all, but head on over to butcherbbq.com to order and find about how the last three winners of the Houston Livestock Barbecue Contest have all used in one with butcher barbecue. How about top teams in the FBA 
KCBS, IBCA, use Butcher's Barbecue products. How about the fact that the pitmaster of Butcher Barbecue product, as seen on TV on Barbecue Pitmasters, uses Butcher Barbecue products? Yeah. He's not using somebody else's stuff. Now, we all know the Butcher Barbecue products, well-known for the injections, the pork, the beef, the prime injection, which has combined all the things loved from their beef injection using its award-winning flavor enhancer, its ability to keep your brisket juicy, combining with, with that competition standard in beef flavor that they have developed for sale right now, ButcherBBQ.com. Of course, I've told you all about the uh, rubs and sauces as well. Some of my favorite rubs, the steak and brisket rub, and, of course, that honey rub. Adds a flavor on ribs and pork like you will not believe. Get yourself some of those right now. And if you're using premium rub, use the Butcher's Barbecue Injection because they're formulated to work with it. Perfect one-two punch for judges and friends alike. And, of course, that sweet barbecue sauce that I talk about all the time. Actually, this Fire Q sauce uh, that I tried tonight right here. I'm drinking it uh, when the camera's not on me. Hints, hints of the Butcher's Barbecue. So I think that's why I like it as well. Uh, no liquid smoke in that sauce either. Buy six. It's going to go fast. Uh, but you know me. I'm very picky when it comes to sauce. So if I am enjoying it out of a bottle, that's more the exception than the rule. No worries on breaking the bank when it comes to shipping. At $55, it's $8.55. 55 to 200 Ship at $9.75. Anything over $200 ships free. And, of course, they have that trade-in program going on with other commercial injections. If you don't like another commercial injection that's in Butcher's Barbecue, head on over to the website, go to trade-in link, and then uh, send in whatever you have remaining, and Dave will send you back after he weighs it with the same amount of the beef, pork, or prime injection. Don't forget, Bird Booster is out there as well. Want to inject your chickens? You want to keep, uh, was it 21% more moisture than just brining? A 21% instead of 7 Three, that's three times more. Get the bird booster. You'll be happy that you did. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. We'll uh, kind of wrap up and then reload uh, right away for the second hour. Stick around. I'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Adam, thanks to Derek Riches. Uh, go on over to bbq.about.com and check out the article that he wrote about uh, lighter fluid. I think you'll like that. Uh, no jello shots tonight. Just the uh, blue label, my friend. Going high level tonight, ladies and gentlemen. High level. Uh, all right. If you uh, also wanted the information on the Rib Whisperer, Trace Arnold, ultimate, uh, the ultimate smoker and grill.com, if you are near Frisco, Texas, uh, you can head on over to 
3stacksbbq.com. Uh, 3stacksbbq.com. Um, I'm going to get out now so I can make sure that the open runs because I want to go right at the top of the hour with uh, Dr. Akil Houston. You are listening to the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Network. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? The man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? We ate 54 wieners. I'm listening, Lavernia, shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Don't forget, we'll be uh, talking with uh, JP Custom Smoke tonight at 1035. Uh, 1014, we have Bob Trudnack, barbecue guru. Uh, look, rarely we have an interview right at the top of the second hour, but to me, given the reaction both on TV and within the social media realms, it was uh, way too important to me to pass up. Paula Dean will be not renewed at the end of this month as part of the Food Network because of the remarks that she made. And I made a post on my Facebook asking if it was too harsh or if it was an inappropriate action given the situation, and a firestorm ensued. Here to help me break this down, but more importantly, give us some real insight and history about the word in question as a filmmaker, DJ, social critic, one of the nation's most authentic hip-hop scholars. He is also the assistant professor of cultural... Oh, i got to get that out of here. Uh, cultural Media Studies in the Department of African Studies at Ohio University, my alma mater. Let's go ahead and welcome into the show, first-timer, Dr. Akili Houston. Dr. Akil Houston, how are you tonight, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, uh, doctor. And I appreciate you making time for the show tonight. So, you know, probably not as much time as I would love to get into this super deep. Uh, but let's see what we can accomplish here in the next few minutes. And I'm going to have you maybe give me your thoughts on a bunch of different items that came up on sure. a Facebook conversation that I was having with people. And maybe you can tell me what's right or, or what's wrong or you know, what the, I don't want to say what the right way to think is, but get it in proper perspective. So if you could, let's kind of go all the way back. If you could give us a little background, you know, about the word itself, where did the N word originate and how has it become one of the most infamous taboo words in history? Okay, sure. So if we go back in history, its origin in Spanish and Portuguese. And for those who are in the business of selling human beings, they couldn't pronounce the word, which is negro. Um, so it came to be uh, the N-word, which we commonly know it as. And it actually didn't take on a derogatory form until um, late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, but it was a way to describe um, people with dark skin, um, such as Moorish. Uh, there were other terms, and it's been spelled differently. Um, and then when it took a derogatory turn, 
uh, particularly in the United States, uh, it kind of has led us to where we are now. So that's the short, condensed version of the history of the word. If there, if it wasn't, I guess, originally negative, wh- where did that deciding turn go from not being such a derogatory term to being what it is today? Well, during the Middle Passages, Mahasa, or slave trade, as we know it, that's when it began to take on a negative turn. Uh, at some point in time, people used to use the word to just describe people with dark skin. And as uh, people with dark skin begin to be looked at as inferior, less than human, uh, that's when the word began to take on its uh, derogatory, pejorative uh, context as we know it as today. Uh, so that's around the time that the shift began to happen. All right. So uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Akil Houston from Ohio University. Uh, there's this notion, and these are things coming off my Facebook now, so let's uh, kind of address these one by one. There seems to be a notion that so much time has passed since slavery, civil rights, uh, today's citizens has uh, you know never owned any slaves or, or for the most part not known anyone who really has, that racism exists today only because uh, people who wish to keep it in the forefront, you know, news outlets uh, to break things uh, to the general public. And if we could remove these stations, everything would be A-OK. Like, uh, we never heard that word anymore. Things would be just fine otherwise. Well, I mean, that's a popular idea, but I think people forget that there are institutional and cyclical forces that exist as a result of gender, race, and other forms of discrimination that have been with us for a very long time. So for us to kind of just get rid of the word doesn't necessarily get rid of the issues that exist. I mean, if you think about what's happening with the Supreme Court, uh, the well-publicized Trayvon Martin case, uh, the nation's ongoing conversation on immigration reform. So we're we're constantly seeing um, issues of race, of gender, and even sexual orientation discrimination continually pop up. So it would be nice if we could just pretend that these things didn't happen. But unfortunately, the reality continues to smack us in the face. Uh, so I think rather than just wish these terms away, uh, it would be a good idea to kind of deal with them um, at their root, and then they would then go away with time. But uh, simply wishing them away won't, won't do the justice. All right, so let's jump in a little bit to your real area of expertise for a second. You know, film, music. I saw a lot of posts that were similar to this on my Facebook page, uh, and I, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Uh, all you hear in every rap song is the n-word why is that okay there can't be this double standard of different rules for different people otherwise there's no real equality so i guess to to phrase it another way you know if i say it there's going to be a fist fight but if other black guys are saying it to each other it's almost like a a term of endearment and there seems to be some type of a a separation there for a lot of people sure and i I think you're, you're actually right there are a lot of rap songs that have the word and i think we always have to contextualize our critiques of rap uh, in the fact that it's a commercial product and it's being sponsored by large corporate uh, entities. So we're not getting a true representation of hip hop. Um, there's artists like Wise Intelligent, Public Enemy, Karis One, Invincible, and the list goes on who don't use any of those kind of words and who offer much more progressive songs. Um, so that part does exist, but you don't often hear it. And I think the other piece we're looking at is the old in group, out group sort of thinking. Um, sort of like if you have a family member that you can call names or, you know, think of them in a derogatory way, it's okay. But if someone outside of the family does it, um, it could lead to a fist fight. So I think people have that view that there is an in-group, out-group sort of thing happening. And as a lot of marginalized groups have done, 
they've tried to take words that have been sort of thrown at them and try to uh, take the power out of them by reclaiming them. If you look at the LGBTQ movement, for example, um, terms like queer, gay, and other words that are meant as uh, insults, uh, some parts of the community have taken those words on and have tried to flip them. Um, so I think if you look at the N-word in the African-American community, some people have attempted to say, this is a negative word, and I'm going to try and take the power out of it by using it myself. Um, however, as we know, although language changes form and context over time, it never loses its original signifying value. So it's difficult to sort of say, I'm going to take this word that has all of this history and take it away because me and my select group of friends now have a new meaning. Um, so it, it gets kind of hairy when you try to say who can use what word and who can't. You know, one of the other things uh, that I heard was, uh, that kind of just goes right back around, was, you know, you got a group of people being able to say words to each other, and you just kind of answer that, but... Uh, we're saying, hey, you know, if, uh, well, when people stop saying uh, honky or whitey or cracker or peckerwood, uh, then this, uh, uh, then, you know, then we'll stop saying everything else. You know, to me. the problem? Well, oh, I'm let, sorry. Let me give you just a quick thought here, Dr. Houston. To, to me, there doesn't really seem to be, I guess it, maybe at least for the Caucasian race, there doesn't really seem to be like an equal slur to the N-word. If a group of black guys stopped me on the street and said, I was a stupid honky. Yeah, I might laugh a little bit, but it wouldn't be like a reason for me to go. Uh, you know, if we did a little role reversal there, my fists are coming out. And we're going to have a throwdown. Do you, do you think that that's a, a a good observation? I think you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we're we're talking about power uh, and context, like who has power, who doesn't. So at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's sort of like movies. Um, if you think about it, white businessmen and blonde women are often stereotyped in a lot of films. It's always the evil white businessmen and blonde women are seen as, you know, the, the evil tinctures. Um, but these are two groups that are well insulated culturally. So in our common everyday culture, they have a lot of power. So to stereotype them in this way in film or to use the name calling, as you pointed out, it's not going to harm them in any real way. Um, but when you're marginalized already in society, uh, those terms and words tend to affect you in ways um, that are much more critical than, say, a group that has a lot more cultural and social power. All right, so if I could bring it full circle, uh, first look, for just a second, we're talking with Akil Houston uh, from Ohio University. Do you feel that, given everything that's happened to, to Paula Dina, you know, there's still things coming down as I was getting ready to, to get on the show tonight. Do you think she's been unfairly punished for the remarks that she made you know, years ago in a deposition while she was being sued? Is this part and parcel of, of the side that we live in today, where if you said it five years ago or 10 years ago, you're going to pay for it if it comes out? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because it, as I read the documents, it seemed that it was her brother who was largely at fault. And her crime, um, more contemporary, is that she didn't do enough to sort of reprimand him. So, I mean, the court of public opinion is often reactionary. And so I don't know that demonizing Paula Dean is going to change the way a lot of people think and feel as it relates to the use of the word. I think what Food Network and others who have gotten rid of her probably could have done is kept her on and sort of used her as a way to sort of bridge the divide. Um, but getting rid of her is probably the easiest, most convenient way because then she can become the scapegoat and then we'll move on until the next person crops up and then repeat the process. So I think it's really about getting at the root of the issue, not necessarily just 
pinpointing one or two people who may be the the it moment sort of focus. Is it? Uh, I always hate to be the the guy with the with the devil's side here, but you know, if you keep Paula Dean and you're trying to you know use her as an advocate, as you say, doesn't it almost come across as a tad wishy washy or? I don't. It, well, I mean, almost it, disingen- it, it just it seems ingenuous to um, every couple seconds point the finger at the bad guy. I mean, a few years back, it was uh, I think it was Michael Ray Richardson, and it was uh, Don Inus, and so now it's Paula Dean. But the thing that I always think about is it's a culture that breeds this. So it's like you know, if you're weeding your garden, you're not going to just go grab one weed up. You're going to do something to get at the root and deal with all the weeds. That way they don't keep coming back. Um, but the way that we societally address these issues is if we demonize this one person and make them sort of the, the bearer of all things bad, then we can all feel good because we did the right thing by getting rid of her. Instead of saying, you know what, this is an opportunity for us to deal with this issue and, and really make an honest commitment to addressing some of these issues that we face uh, in our society. Dr. Houston, any theories on how we can kind of stop the the racism deal? Well, it, it would take a, a lot of work, um, and I don't. <laughs> I hope that we are. I definitely um, am obviously biased. I'm an educator, so I think education would be a critical step. Uh, but it would take a lot of uh, work. Uh, there was a study done not long ago um, <clears throat> at uh, I want to say Princeton University, uh, where Robert Putnam looked at how diversity can empower not just a particular group of the whole society. But I think it's got to be something that's uh, taught in schools. You know, you got to look at uh, the contributions of Latino Americans, not just in the time of Cinco de Mayo, but, you know, all year round. The same with other ethnic groups. Uh, so we have to have a better understanding of Italian immigrants, of Polish immigrants, of African immigrants in the context of the totality of the United States, not just during the select month that they may be assigned. So I think, you know, educating people and making it not something that we tolerate, but something that's just part of our practice. I think that's the first step. All right, here's my thought on how we get rid of it. And a lot of people will hate it because a lot of people are going to die in the process. But I figured we got to take everybody from, you know, the very old until about three, well, five, mm, four years old. And we got to just got to get rid of them. And we got to start anew because I just don't think it's ever going to go away. You're, you're, you know, it, it, I know it's a little harsh. It, it sounds pessimistic, but uh, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people feel that way. That is just impossible. Uh, the way that we see the world uh, and the way that we look at diversity as, you know, a bad thing. You know, it, it may be drastic as that, um, but I, I remain uh, cautiously optimistic that um, not just education and talking about it, but living our sort of uh, politics. And because you're a bobcat, damn it. We know what that's all about. Uh, Dr. Akil Houston oh, yeah. is the Assistant Professor of Cultural and Media Studies in the Department mm-hmm. of African American Studies at Ohio University. Doc, so much for, thanks so much for coming out tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the show. You got it. Thanks so much. Dr. Akil Houston. Uh, Ohio.edu, of course, if you want to check out my alma mater's homepage. Thank you very little. Uh, and then, of course, you can... Uh, I have a link on the uh, website, so if anybody wants to... Uh, dispute the uh, creds of my guest tonight. First of all, how dare you? He's a bobcat. Second of all, I have the link. Um, you know, let's talk about uh, you know somebody that has the the knowledge and the background to, to educate a little bit.
Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that segment. It's not always about barbecue, man. Come on. Be a human. All right, folks, let me talk to you for a few minutes, and we'll talk to him here in about uh, 25, JP Custom Smoke. Uh, literally missing out on perfect scores, grand championships, if you aren't getting this stuff. Um, painfully obvious that you guys are the ones who will benefit the most. John has one of the most sought-after rubs on the market today. The Sweet Heat Rub, the custom blend for pork. Brand new to the market, the JP Custom Smoke Beef Rub. Uh, get all of these flavors right now, jpcustomsmoke.com. Uh, we'll talk to more about, about all of this stuff and how he's getting over into England uh, with John Patty, jpcustomsmoke.com. We're coming back with Bob Trudnack, re-gearing for barbecue. Here we go. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Uh, those are the two ways to get in touch with me tonight. Now i got to rechange my uh, titling here. Thanks again to uh, Dr. Akil Smith, the uh, Assistant Professor of Cultural and Media Studies in the Department of African American Studies at Ohio University, my alma mater. I'd love some feedback on that segment. What do you think? Racist reactionary. All right, nevertheless, uh, my next guest tonight, accomplished pitmaster, is also the sales and marketing director for the Barbecue Guru. Uh, five and a half years ago, they were the first ones to jump on as partner when I launched this show in its live format. So aside from being innovator and top-notch barbecue cooks, they are obviously very smart. Let's head on over to the hotline and uh, welcome in Bob Trudnack to the show. Bob, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg. How are you, buddy? Doing absolutely fabulous, Bob. Uh, no drugs tonight? <laughs> I knew that was going to be the first question. <laughs> Obviously Nothing, not. Man. You sound sharp Good as a tack. What's that? I said, I, I said there must not be. You sound sharp as a tack. <laughs> yeah, listen, I was slipped to Mickey last Tuesday. Well. I had no idea. <laughs> no, as we rule number one on the show, no names, please. So uh, whoever did that, I'm sure they'll pay with karma, no doubt about. It. Uh, all right, so uh, Bob, a little while back, Barbecue Guru introduces this uh, party cue unit to the public, uh, basically replacing, if I'm correct, the old pit miner unit that was very successful. I've heard yeah, some rumblings true. that the party cue is maybe undergoing some type of a redesign. So first things first. Uh, can you tell us what the party queue is all about and then what you're doing in a redesign stage? Yeah, I can. Um, we originally came out with a, a control called the pit minder, which was a low cost, uh, pit temperature only, easy to use control. And it was an analog control. And as technology advanced, it was harder to get the analog parts. So we decided to make a digital version of that. And when we did, we decided let's make it five volts so we can run it off of AA batteries and we'll be the first and only barbecue temperature control that runs off of batteries. So we did that with the party queue. Uh, it's a, it's a great seller. We felt like it's only weakness was maybe it's design. Um, the way it sits, it sits a little lower 
than uh, the damper in the cooker, which is already low in the pit. So for some uh, cookers, it could sit a little too low. Uh, it's not real convenient. So we decided to redesign it. We've been working on it for, for months, and I think we're finally at the the, the stage where we're, we're looking at some final prototypes and we're ready to get this thing built. Uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. And the party queue is designed for the beginner. It's designed for uh, people with smaller cookers because it is a 6.5 CFM fan. So anybody with a, a Weber, whether it's a kettle or a Weber Smoky Mountain, a ceramic grill, any smaller grill, backyard grill, the party queue is perfect. And it's really just plug-and-play convenient. Uh, so the redesign is going to be ergonomic. It's going to have a nice uh, flexible neck on it, real nice big display, um, and just look, you know, look the part. It's going to look, um, you know, just it's going to be the control of the future, and it's going to be for the masses. So we're, we're very excited about it. You know, when, when you were in the process of getting the party queue done originally, and now... I mean, how long has it been out? Has it been out a year? Oh, yeah, yeah. The party key's been out a couple of years now. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, party my God. Out, getting old, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm I, uh, losing you, Greg. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now I can hear All right. You. Sorry, I was saying, I can't believe it's been a couple of years. I feel like I'm, now I feel like old again. <laughs> man, oh, man. Yeah, it's been you know, so uh, you spent all that time getting the party queue to where it was. You get it out to market. It's been on the market for a couple of years. Uh, you know, how long does the, the redesign take? Is it like a, almost like you're re- redoing it all over again? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the function of it is the same. Uh, but as far as the look, yeah, we're starting. We started from scratch. Um, we threw some ideas on paper. We made some prototypes. Some of the prototyping technology is amazing. You can go from a drawing to a... Um, you know, a, a three-dimensional plastic case in just a couple hours with, with some of the prototyping uh, technology out there. So that's what we've been doing. And just, you know, seeing how it feels in your hand, seeing how it is on a pit, you know, when you're looking at it from a distance or you're to the right or to the left, you know, so we want this to just be able to be convenient for every type of grill out there. Um, so that's what we're doing. And it takes, the, the process takes a while. Um, it'll be a full year from... The first day we started on it until it hits the market. You know, a number of people that I know who have these, quite simply, they love it because it's easy to use, it's completely mobile, it runs on the AA batteries, like you were just saying. Has this unit surpassed expectation from a business perspective at the Guru? Um, I think it's right where we expect it to be. But we're, we're making a lot of efforts to, you know, hit the more mass market with this. You know, if you, we, we started out in a real, uh, as a niche. Um, and we're becoming more and more popular every year, but we're still, you know, come breaking out of that niche into the mass market. I think we're going to do that with this new design and some of the marketing efforts we have. And I think, uh, we're really going to see it boom in the next year or so. All right. So party Q getting a facelift, uh, after a couple of years. So it must be the Joan rivers of the bunch. Uh, are there other models getting a facelift as well, or is, is this the only one right now? Uh, right now, this is the only one. You know, we always have ideas for things. We always have um, uh, concepts and stuff on the drawing board. Whether, whether we go ahead and start to work on things, you know, it's a different story. But right now, this is the only control getting a facelift. 
Uh, Bob Trudnak joining us here on the show. Of course, the website, thebbqguru.com. You can also call them, 800-288-GURU. Bob, one of the lifebloods of any successful company is being able to diversify not only your products line, uh, but where you're selling into. Uh, the pro- the Guru products are well accepted here in the States, obviously, but have you looked at getting like into foreign markets like a Europe or some other place that has really started to glom onto the American barbecue scene? We we have we have and it's it's been amazing the last I'm going to say the last eight months to a year we've been getting more and more phone calls and emails and orders from the UK from Germany uh, from the Scandinavian countries and really all throughout Europe and you know we're we're asking if there's any dealers over there or the dealers are asking if there's distributors so. We're really starting to push into the European market. And we actually did our first barbecue contest in Bristol, England, just about a month ago. Was that the uh, Grill Stock event? Yeah, yeah, that was Grill Stock in Bristol, England. There was two Grill Stock events, one in Bristol, one in Manchester. We did the one in Bristol. So... You know, you're, you're getting all of this interest. Do you have to do some type of a, a market research internationally to gauge if it's really worth starting to sell into a different country? And, uh, you know, I would imagine at that point you would have to be, you know, pushing through dealers over there unless you're going to be the Trudnacks are moving over to, you know, Cheshire, England to set up Barbecue Guru England. No, no, we're staying right here in Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot of market research to be done. Um, you know, just talking with people, talking with other barbecue equipment manufacturers, talking with uh, barbecue enthusiasts. Um, they're they're a little behind us. Uh, Doctor Barbecue is a great resource for that. He's been going over to England and and kind of all throughout Europe for a few years now. And um, yeah, there's they're probably ten fifteen years behind us as far as outdoor cooking. Uh, they do a lot of grilling, a lot of cooking on spits. Um, you know, a lot of coals, a lot of hot and fast stuff, but, you know, the slow cook barbecue is really just getting popular over there. So this is really a perfect time to be entering the market. You see big green eggs over there and a lot of ceramic grills, Pro-Q, Weber's. So um, it, it's, a, it's a perfect time for us to get into this. Are there any products right now that the barbecue guru is working on that you might be able to, to let us scoop tonight? Um. Well, there's nothing I can really talk about right now. A lot of things are in the concept phase, and we have some really exciting things uh, on the horizon, but nothing I can discuss at the moment. How come every time I have you on, Bob, you're you're always having something working on, but it can never be disclosed on a Tuesday night? (laughs) (laughs) I did this before the party queue. I did this before the Onyx 7. Yeah, eventually yeah. we're gonna. I'm gonna be able to talk about it. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's switch gears here a little bit, Bob. You're also the pitmaster of the Barbecue Guru competition team. You know, what have you been up to as far as the 2013 season? How many events have you done, and, and how is it going for you? Okay, it's 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 a bit of a slow season because we're so busy with with sales and marketing uh, and, the, and the Guru. Uh, it's been a little slow. Uh, we our first competition out of the gate was Pork in the Park in Salisbury, Maryland. Uh, we did really well there. It was 106 teams, and we were about a point and a half away from grand champions, so we walked away with the reserve. Very proud of that. Um, we went over to England and did grill stock. We were a point, a point away from reserve, so we came in third overall. With the first in ribs, uh, third in chicken, and 
fourth and Brisk Canton fourth and Pork. So those two contests went very well. And then I just did one two weeks ago, Swinetastic in uh, in Maryland, and that didn't go so well. I came in the middle of the pack. But you know, as a as a competitor, you have to be able to take the good with the bad and shake it off and and uh, and move on to the next one. You know, you've been doing this pitmaster thing for the team. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a great way to get out and uh, show the products and the cookers that you have and how well they're performing in competition conditions. But you know, you're talking about that Swintastic event. You were right around 627 points for an overall finish. When you see what's winning these days, you know, six high 680s, 690s, even 700 plus. You know, back from when you started to, to where you're at now. I mean, this has been quite a, a hellacious change in scoring and, and competition, hasn't it? It really has. It really has. There's uh, more teams are are serious about winning. Um, you know, everyone's out there to have fun and, and see old friends and make new ones, but there's a lot of fierce competitors and especially in, in my region, I can't speak for, you know, every region in the States, but this East coast the mid Atlantic, uh, new England, you know, where we compete, it's, it's hard to find a team that's, you know, doesn't know what they're doing. They're, they're all out there. Everyone's taking classes. Uh, everyone's putting hundred percent effort into it. And it's getting harder and harder. So you got to step up your game every chance you get. You know, when the 2012 season ended, you know, in between that uh, changeover in season, which only seems to be like uh, 36 hours for a lot of guys, did you make any yeah. adjustments, or did you at least talk about making adjustments to the flavors and the techniques? Or are you pretty much uh, right where you were last year? Well, I actually made my adjustments halfway through last season, and I did that because early in the season. You know, it was hit and miss with us. You know, we'd do, we'd do great, and then we'd do mediocre, and then we'd do great, and then we'd do mediocre. Or we'd get, I think there was three or four contests where we hit top ten in three categories, and then that fourth category we would bomb, you know, take a 30th place or a 25th place. And I'm like, there's, there's got to be a reason. i got to figure this out. So I was watching a video, um, and the video was done in a judging tent after judging took place. And I was listening to the judges talk about the entries. And not one judge said in this video what they liked about the food they tasted. But every judge talked about what they didn't like. They picked <laughs> out the things they didn't And that told me that I've got to taste my flavors again, and I've got to balance it so I don't offend anybody. And I just kind of took that philosophy made some changes with my flavors with rubs and sauces and we start hitting. And the last part of last season uh, was phenomenal for us. So I'm, I'm sticking with that same philosophy, same sauces, same recipes. And it, it's been pretty good so far this year. Bob Trodnack joining us here on the show. Uh, you know, Bob, the majority of teams are injecting briskets and pork butts, but recently a new chicken injection has made an appearance. Have you guys ever experienced, uh, experimented with injecting chicken yet? Uh, and if not, is that something that you would consider at some point down the road? I've been inje- injecting chicken for years. Really? Um, but very basic, though. Very basic. Without giving away my secret, it's something you can find in, your, in everyone's kitchen. So I'm not doing anything special. I'm not doing any, uh, you know, whatever you call it, emulsifiers or, um, you know, enhancers. It, it's a very basic injection, and it's worked for us. 
I had Tim Grant from True Bud Barbecue on last week, Bob, and he made quite an interesting statement, and I wanted to get your take on it because you do kind of uh, get across the country, not as much, I guess, as everybody, but quite a bit. And he said that he is seeing more and more teams starting to not inject their big meats and that this might be a new trend on the circuit. Have you seen or heard any of that? No, I, I, I haven't. I mean, I know that half the people I talk to say they inject, half the people don't. I really think, you know, you got to do what works for you. I, I practice all the time. I, I also have a catering company. So my wife and I are, you know, three or four um, events a weekend. So I'm constantly throwing in um, competition prepared food in with my catering stuff and tasting flavors and uh, and trying different things. And I really think it's it's all about what works for you. You know, if if you do a practice cook and you try four different pieces of chicken and do four different things and, you know, you end up with a result where you don't have injected chicken and that's the best, then go with it. Um, I use my neighbors a lot, you know, and, um, I'll do four racks of ribs. I'll do 20 pieces of chicken. I'll do, you know, three pork butts and I'll have them taste my food and whatever the majority likes is, is kind of the way I'm going. But uh, I know people who are successful with injecting and people who are successful without injecting. And you just got to find something that works for you and go with it. It would seem to me that half the people that are injecting are telling the truth and the other half that say they aren't are probably liars, Bob. That <laughs> could be. That could be. <laughs> um, where, uh, where are you guys going to be competing at next? Uh, our next contest is Wildwood, New Jersey, the New Jersey State Championship. It's a huge event. Uh, close to 70 teams right on the beach. One of my favorites. Um, and then the Great American Barbecue Tour will be there as well. So that gets, you know, 60,000, 80,000 people. It's a nice uh, nice audience to show out the wares, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Um, and speaking of showing off the wares, we, we sponsor this year. We're uh, a sponsor of the Great American Barbecue Tour. So... Mike and Chris are doing a great job showing off the all the controls and with the cooking demos and you know getting the the word out to everybody. You know, from from when Shotgun Fred originally worked on this, with, you know, with a guy that came in and said, "Hey, can can you make me one of these contraptions?" Uh, to today, have you guys seen nothing but you know growth year after year as far as this segment of? The, I mean, I don't think a lot of people know that the Barbecue Guru is is not just this huge thing, but it's it's part of Thermal Megatech, which is a completely different deal. Um, but kind of where all this was was born from uh, within uh, within Fred Perkle. Have you guys just seen right. growth after growth after growth every year uh, since this whole thing has dropped in, or have there been some some lean years for the Barbecue Guru? Yeah, it's it's actually been a healthy growth from April two thousand four when we first started this. Um, this business until now it's been a very nice healthy growth ever since and you know it started out where we would have our um, we'd have our seasons you know we, we would gear up in the spring we'd have a real nice summer second quarter was always great for us then it would slow down and then fourth quarter would be great because of the holidays we don't have a slow time anymore because the more and more people know about us from you know different regions and not only the country but the world, there's different barbecue seasons for everybody. You know, if you look at Florida and the in the, in the uh, southern states, they're cooking in the fall through the winter because that's when it's more tolerable outside for them. 
Um, then you have the, the northern regions where they they cook in the you know in the July and June and August. And so we're really it's almost like every every holiday is an excuse for barbecue and an excuse to buy equipment. Um, and and those holidays are coming and it's just it never slows down. So that's a wonderful thing for us. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Bob Trudnack. He is the sales and marketing director for the Barbecue Guru. Uh, he's also the pitmaster for the competition team of the same name. Bob, always appreciate the time and continue to, uh, and I appreciate the continued sponsorship of the show. Thanks so much for coming on tonight. Oh, you're welcome, Greg. It's always a pleasure, buddy. All right. We'll talk to you soon. There he is, Bob Trudnack, Barbecue Guru. All right. If you uh, don't know already, thebbqguru.com, right? Of course you know. Don't even pretend. So it's funny. If you go back and, uh, oh, man, if you subscribe through iTunes, I did re-release after Fred Perkle passed away. um, I released, re-released the interview that I did with him. And talk about a product that is so successful now that was... Really born out of a guy coming in going, hey, I got a barbecue and I don't want to tend the pit temperature. And Fred having this other thermal megatech business that was, you know, really tight tolerance, temperature control, a lot of overseas stuff. And where it is today, crazy, crazy awesome. All right, John Patty coming up next. Look, you know what I love to do regardless of season, time of year, whatever? I love to cook on the grills and smokers. Look, if you have a charcoal fire outdoor cooking appliance, I encourage you to give Kebroke Hardwood Lump Charcoal a try for your next cooking session. Quite simply, one of the best-kept secrets around used by award-winning barbecue competition teams and me, backyard guy, Kebroke Hardwood Charcoal, made from natural hardwood trees without any additives. They only use high-quality wood for their charcoal, not scrap wood or any other wood waste or additives. This is the real charcoal that humans have made for thousands of years. Now we've left the caves, we've moved on to the patios and the decks, but we love the all-natural hardwood charcoal because it performs better, burns longer, hotter, produces lower amounts of ash, and the taste that imparts second to none. So I encourage you to visit kebroke.com. That's K-E-B-R-O-A-K, kebroke.com, to find out more about this product. They ship to all continental U.S. states through Amazon.com. Check out this. Amazon offers free shipping on all their bags, but the most attractive option, that 40-pound bag, which you can get roughly for about a dollar a pound. That's $1 per pound of high-quality hardwood charcoal that you can't find locally and delivered directly to your door by Amazon.com. No more hassle of dragging bags through supermarkets, getting your car full of dust, having your kids have coal black hands and smacking them on your white paint in your house. Just have it delivered to you. Take the easy route. I used it... Two nights ago when I did uh, I did another round of salt potatoes. Also, I stuck salt potatoes in the grill cook. Phenomenal. What I have found with Kebro Cardwood Charcoal, just for a second, if I can, as an aside, I've used a lot of other lump charcoals that I can get around here. This seems to be the most dense. So, you know, it might be a little bit more of a pain in the ass to get going, but once it's there, the heat is good. Uh, it's consistent, which typically you can't say with a lot of lump charcoal, and it lasts a long time. Check it out. Kebroke.com, K-E-B-R-O-A-K. A secret of Southern Miami for years, now for the world to enjoy. Amazon.com, the world to enjoy. Uh, John Patty coming up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. 
big-name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. We are back. I'm going to fix my titling again. Just the way it is. Punch back out. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Hey, thank you for noticing the lower third. Steven, that's what they call lower third. I have no idea what that means. You're on TV. You probably know. I don't know what it means. All right. Uh, Helping me close the show tonight, a uh, rub manufacturer extraordinaire, stuff doing very well on the circuit right now. Uh, He's also a... uh, Why am I frozen? There we go. All right. Uh, He's also a very accomplished barbecue pit master, and his team currently ranked 22nd overall KCBS Team of the Year points race, 10th overall in the pork category. Two grands, two reserve grands, and the 11 events that have taken part in in 2013. Let's welcome back friend of the show. You know him, you love him. I know I love it. John Patty joining us. John, how are you, buddy? Good. John, where the hell are you? In a wind tunnel? <laughs> no, I'm here, man. <laughs> All right, uh, John, if you could, for the people that might not be as uh, familiar with you as uh, some of us are, uh, when did you get into this uh, competition barbecue scene? Oh, God, Greg, it's probably it's a good nine years ago. And like, what uh, were you, were you bored at home? Were you seeing all this great stuff happening around you? I mean, how do you how do you find out about competition barbecue and saying, "Hey, that seems like something I want to get into." Well, actually, I was I was playing around the garage and and building uh, tailgate grills to go in your receiver, and thought I knew how to build a smoker, and and I heard about a contest here in Wichita and didn't know anything about it, and met a guy in Wichita named Mike Simpson and he he told me a few things about it and said you ought to sign up for it and and uh so I signed up for it and they told me what I needed to do and went down to the local butcher and picked out told him I wanted a pork butt and he gave me a pork butt I'd never seen one in my life and I asked (laughs) him are you sure this is a pork butt and he said young man that's pork butt I said, okay, I'll try to cook it, and got lucky that weekend, man. Walked with uh, four calls out of that contest, and and uh, I was hooked, and it led us to be where we're at now. John Patty joining us here on the show, the website jpcustomsmoke.com. Uh, John, you know, you're one of many teams that are comprised of husband and wife. So, you know, a lot of folks see this as a way to get away for a weekend, you know, but not you two. Have there been some contention times between you and Tina during the the time out there on the circuit? Oh, man, I get I pretty well get locked out of the trailer sometimes. I got locked out of the trailer at the Royal back in 09 when she turned pork category in and uh, one pork. I didn't get to see the box, but uh no, I, I give her all the credit in the world because I basically we're we're a whole lot different probably from a lot of teams out there. I I cook it, I mix up the recipes and do all the injecting, and and uh, when it comes off of the grill, uh, I take it into the trailer and and I turn it over. And 
now she lets me look at presentation and and we take pictures and discuss stuff and uh yeah but talk about contentions there's there's always plenty I, I'm probably one of the few that have actually been able to see you guys kind of work hand in glove, no, no pun intended. And you know, I guess you know when it's really working well, it's kind of a kind of a thing of beauty, isn't it? Oh, it's great when it's working well. It's <laughs> when it all goes to hell. It's when it's not. I'm gonna say I'm glad I saw it when it was going well out there in Miami, Oklahoma. Jeez, hate to abandon that trailer when things were going south. Um, so obviously, a big part of barbecue is is rub. Um, did you always start out from you know from when you got that first pork butt to, to making your own rub? Were you buying something at that point and said, "Hey, I, I there's got to be something that I could make myself that would be better"? How does the the rub aspect start out? We we were using commercial rubs uh, when we first started. Uh, actually, we used Head Country, and uh, we just kept practicing and practicing and and uh, come home and. Five, six years later, we we just kind of come up with our own line and said, let's try it. And we took it out on the on the circuit, and it was working. And after that, we decided to go ahead and put it on the market. And so far, it's it's did us well. And it's, to my knowledge, it's did some other teams very well also. That's uh, that's the rumor that we're hearing around the competition circles. We're talking with John Patty, J.P. Custom Smoke Pitmaster. JP, like Paul, jpcustomsmoke.com. You know, when you came up with that original recipe for uh, for the rub for a JP Custom Smoke, you're making it at home, obviously, initially, and then at some point, I guess for legal reasons, you got to take it to like a co-packer. Was there any type of trepidation on your part to saying, hey, I'm used to making it, I know the quality, I know the ratios and how it's supposed to taste, and saying, okay, company guy, you do as good as me. Was there any type of nervousness when you were kind of handing that ball off? Well, actually, I yeah, there was. I I thought after I dealt with him, he I I sent him the recipe and and uh, he sent it back. And after we did that about six times, I thought this guy's going to drop me. And uh, he didn't. He stuck with us, and we just kept saying, add this and take this away and take that away and put more of this. And we finally got to where we where we really liked it and thought it would work and we actually ran some sample cooks and uh thought that was it and and turned him loose with it how do okay let me back up so the the original rub is doing very well and then is it just like heading down the same road with you know new flavors new recipes do you have uh, different things already happening in your mind where you're like, hey, I got something that might work better on chicken or I want to come up with something that works good on beef. Do you already have those kind of ingredients in your head and then it's just a matter of you know, kind of finalizing and honing those in to bring it to market? Or how does that process work, adding new stuff to the portfolio? The only thing that we're adding right now is to the chicken rub. and It hadn't been released, and I... I haven't hit with it, I'll be honest with you, but there's a team out there that we've got some additives to a new chicken rub and and they're they're doing well and and uh we're cooking different regions and I just can't I'm not a chicken cook. I couldn't hit with a, a winner's rub, <laughs> you know. I I but yeah, we're holding back on a couple things on chicken rub. We may change it, but 
we're pulling some 180s with chicken. We're not, but other teams are pulling some 180s with chicken. So I don't want to get too far out of bounds with it and change on people if they're liking what they're getting right now. All right, John. Uh, how many times has someone beaten you with your own rub? And don't lie like I know you want to. Every weekend I go cook. Yeah. All right. So, you know, to, to follow up with that, look, you're competing initially. You're not selling it. And then you start getting into the selling part of it. And you're also competing, obviously. I was once talking with uh, Ed Morin many years ago about when he decided to make the Effie cooker instead of holding it for himself as kind of like a secret weapon and making it available. He's like, you know, I had to kind of get right with myself and say, you know what? It's about the customer now. Uh, I'll use it in competition, but if they beat me, if I beat them, it doesn't matter. Uh, this is kind of like the next chapter in what I want to do in barbecue-wise. Similar mindset to you guys when you're bringing it out there. Do you know that at some point somebody's going to turn around and, and smack you guys around a bit on the competition scene with your own product? Oh, I don't have a problem with that at, at all. Uh, i got to have those guys doing well, and, and i got to have them beat me now and then so they stay with me. So for the past few weeks, John, I've been talking about this place called England. Uh, evidently, it is due east of this country uh, through a body of water, and I'm getting everybody jacked up for the arrival of JP Custom Smoke Rubs. And then before they even show up, they are sold out just like that. So can't get your hands on it. It's like hotcakes have infiltrated England. How did you get into the international scene, John? Is, is that something you've been looking to do? Somebody approach you? How does that whole thing go down? No, I I always dreamed of it, but uh, this guy actually found me, and, and his name is uh, Paul Valentine. His website's not up and running, which he emailed me last last week and said it should be up and running in a week, but it's called All-American Barbecue rub and sauce company but um he found me and and uh it was kind of kind of a weird deal um we talked for a long time and i'm thinking uh no way and then i'd listened to your show a few times and heard heard uh barbecue is becoming popular over there and and uh this guy contacted me and we talked and we we took it from there he uh he's great to deal with he uh he made it real simple for us. Uh, paid for shipping up front. All I got to do is drop off, and and they take care of the rest. But uh, so far, a great guy to deal with, and and hopefully he has some success for himself and and helps us out some too. Were you surprised at how quickly that first order went without really hitting any type of uh, internet sales? It was gone before you know even a second load could get there. Yeah, I was real surprised. To my understanding, they had a contest over in England, and I'm not sure if it's a KCBS or what it was, uh, but they had a contest, and and he set up some samples, and and uh, he sold out that day of the contest, and then he he put in for another order, and and he's he ordered the beef rub. Um, what made him choose that? I'm I'm not real sure. I'm trying to get him to bring some chicken in, and but you know, one at a time. We'll take one at a time, and and hopefully he'll he'll uh, try the rest, and and hopefully they'll like it too. You know, John, as you look through the sweet heat, the the regular or the original rub, and now you have that uh, brisket rub. Is there one that is 
head and shoulders above the rest, or are they all pretty even sellers for you? The beef rub's been real hot lately, but as far as a balance, it, it's a pretty good balance. It really is. I think they're all three, you know, people. I've had guys, well, just a couple of weeks ago we competed. I had a guy win pork, and he said he was chanting sweet heat. Well, what are you talking about? And he ran chicken rub on his pork all the way and cleaned our clocks. <laughs> So does it, it just does it just go to show you how weird this whole barbecue deal is? It is. It <laughs> is. We accidentally won pork here not too awful long ago and uh I messed up and, and put the beef rub on it and rinsed it all off and, and went with my pork rub and won it. So man, thought about trying that again. Are you injecting chicken at this point, John, like uh, some other people? Yeah, we're we're injecting, we're marinating, but once again, I'll take anybody's uh, chicken recipe I can get a hold of. What about uh, ribs? You see, injecting ribs being like the next big thing. It seems three of the four are now going to be—I uh, don't want to say mandatory, but a lot of people are going to be doing it. Do you see ribs being injected at some point now? I think there's a handful out there that do. We don't. And uh, it just seems uh, like it would be a huge pain in the ass, John. <laughs> I think you're right. I wouldn't know how to cook it if I did inject it because whenever you inject things, I think it it, it changes your cook times and, and maybe even your temp as far as being tenderness. I, I would never do it. I think there's people that think I do, but no way. All right, John, uh, where are you guys going to be at next? Uh, we're off till towards the end of July, uh, taking a break because there's really nothing real close and we're limited on vacation and, uh, we're going to go out to Hayes. We got a free entry cause we won that last year. So we're going to go out to Hayes and, and, uh, mix it up with whiskey pit. He'll be out there that weekend. Good friend. Yeah. Good friend. And the guy that's using uh, your products and, and doing very well, I might add. He's doing well. He's doing well. Absolutely. John Patty is the pit master of JP Custom Smoke. Uh, do yourself a favor. Don't be like those chumps over in England. You're here in America. Pick it up right now, jpcustomsmoke.com. John, always appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thank you, Greg. You got it. There he is. John Patty, jpcustomsmoke.com if you need it. Trust me, you need it. God, it's good. The brisket rub is... I'm not like a eat rub out of the bag guy. When I went to that competition in Miami, uh, sorry, Miami, Oklahoma, dude, dudes are just like licking it right out of their hand and stuff. I'm like, ah, I'm not that guy, but this stuff is good. This is stuff you can eat out of the bag for sure. All right. Last one before we wrap up tonight, and it is from our previous guest, Bob Trudnack, a barbecue guru, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, longest-running sponsor of the show. Uh, if you're not familiar with how automatic the temperature controls work, I'm not going to get into the minute details, but imagine a product that when set will keep that temperature all the way through the cook in your cooker. Sound too good to be true? It's not. This is real life, and you can take advantage of this technology today. Now, if you're a busy working professional like me, or perhaps you are constantly on the run with the kids and doing errands, quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. Barbecue Guru always... Uh, I'm sorry, allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs. You're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Barbecue Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. 
Uh, there's currently four different models to choose from. You have the CyberQ Wi-Fi. You have the CyberQ2, the DigiQ DX2. And, of course, that Party Q that we just talked about with uh, Bob Trudnack over at the Barbecue Guru. Uh, $129 entry. If you have the ceramic-style cookers, add 10 bucks because you need a, an extra adapter that goes on that bottom vent doohickey. That's a technical term. Uh, the Party Q easiest point of entry in the pit temperature control device world. Self-contained, runs on the AA batteries. You can go from this cooker to that cooker to that cooker, whatever. And if you're in the market for a cooker, not to be too redundant, look no further than the Onyx Oven. The Onyx Oven has been winning on the competition circuit as well as in backyards all over the country for years now. Fully insulated. This holds a ton of meat, accommodates half and full pans for food service, and works seamlessly with any of the Barbecue Guru pit temperature control devices. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebarbecueguru.com. That's thebbqguru.com. And check out all their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly at 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Or visit them online, thebbqguru.com. Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back to wrap it up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. 877 448 Greg at the uh, question and answer tonight. All right. Who wants to, who wants the question and answer? I'm down. Shoot your questions. Got them right here in the answer chat. You go ahead. I'm here to answer any and all questions. Uh, look at the hey! Big shout out to Don Wadlow. Boomer. I know what you're saying, Don, in your head. Boomer. Uh, I'm trying to effort Don uh, for a segment in this show. Believe it or not, he is a, a big time tailgater. And I would love to get more tailgating in this show, absolutely. Actually, I would like to start getting tailgating in the show. All right. Is there a best size when it comes to smoking a butt with apple and wood? I mean, get a pork butt, right? Go to BJ's. are going to range anywhere between 6 and 9 pounds, depending on how many people you want. I typically say like the, you know, the 7 to 8 pound Pork butt is going to feed eh, 20, 25 people, depending on, you know, how hungry or your friends are. But, I mean, if you're going to buy it, you know, buy big. Take the extra time to cook it. Maybe make a simple injection if you want to with the Worcestershire sauce, the applesauce, uh, some sugar. Uh, look for the Big Lily, uh, Big Bob Gibson's, Chris Lilly's uh, pork injection. Super easy. You got most of that stuff in your house anyway. 
I would always go with Applewood myself. I'm a big proponent of Applewood. Love the Apple. All right, there you go. There's your question and answer. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. Uh, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Trace Arnold, the ultimate smoker and grill.com, also the numeral three, three stacks, BBQ. If you're in Frisco, Texas, check them out. If you don't like the barbecue, he'll wash your car and he'll wa uh, shine your shoes. You'd be the first one, by the way. Also, 9.35, we talked to Derek Riches. We talked about lighter fluid. Fascinating conversation. We also talked about Barbecue University. Two grand. Worth it? Not worth it? Hey, Steve. I want an invite. Steve, can you get me an invite? Please. Also, in the uh, second hour, we talked with uh, Dr. Akil Houston from Ohio University about uh, the Paula Dean influence. Uh, got a little history on the N-word, all that good stuff. Uh, we talked to Bob Trudnack from the Barbecue Guru, talking about the barbecue and the facelift he's getting. It's time for some other items. And then we close out the show with John Patty, Jason Kelsey Smoker. A big show next week. If you are big thunder right now, if you uh, cook with raw cast iron, season it each and every time. As it starts to cool down from the cook, get it with a grill brush, a little pan, a little crystal, and a bake back in. Season it each and every time. Generations of rust research. Also, September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Reckie. Good night. Now.